Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. Amen. Uh, it is uh, it is great to come, and uh, thank you so much for uh, your song uh, today. Uh, just delightful to to hear the word and to hear the Lord lifted up this morning. Well, we are gathered here to to worship the Lord, and we come to look at His word. Uh, uh, story first. There once was an old man who lived high above an Austrian village along the eastern slopes of the Alps. He'd been hired by the village council many years ago to clear away the debris debris from the pools of water up in the mountain crevices that fed the lovely stream flowing through their village. With faithful, silent regularity, he patrolled the hills, removed the leaves and branches, and wiped away the silt that would otherwise choke and contaminate the fresh flow of water. By and by, the village became a popular attraction for visitors. Graceful swans floated along the crystal clear stream. Picnickers gathered along its bank, and the view of the water from local shops and cafes was picturesque beyond description. Well, years passed. One evening, the council met for its semi-annual meeting. As they reviewed the budget, they noticed a small amount that was being paid to the, the keeper of the spring. The village treasurer asked, Who is this keeper of the spring? Why do we keep him on the payroll year after year? No one ever sees him. Have any of you ever met this man? For all we know, he is simply taking our money and doing us no good whatsoever. In my opinion, this person is no longer necessary. Well, everyone agreed with the treasurer, and the council voted unanimously to dismiss the old man. For several weeks, nothing much changed. The village went about with its business as usual, but by autumn... Trees began to shed their leaves. Small branches snapped off and fell into the pools that fed the stream, hindering the rushing flow of sparkling water. One afternoon, someone noticed a slight yellowish-brown tint in the water. A couple days later, the water was much darker. Within another week or two, a slimy film covered sections of the water along the banks, and a foul odor was soon detected. The swans left the village, as did the tourists. The economy of the village was in serious peril. Likewise was the health of the village, as many were getting sick from drinking the water. An emergency meeting of the village council was held. After much discussion, they realized their error in judgment, and they hired back the old keeper of the spring. And within a few weeks, the beautiful stream came back to life. The swans and visitors gradually returned, as did the vitality and well-being of the little village in the Alps. Well, the keeper of the spring had a job, which, as the village council thought about it, didn't think it was very significant. And yet when he was no longer around, the entire village seemed to suffer. I I tell that story to start this off with because sometimes things seeming significant to us, and yet there's something truly significant that's going on with them, that because of these particular things happening, People are ministered. Things happen. And this happens within the church as well. Sometimes we look at those people who, well, who do the things up front. 
those beautiful singers uh, just minutes ago. That is great and that's wonderful. Uh, the preacher who does uh, uh, mostly a decent job. <laughs> but what about everyone else? Is that the only significant thing? What else is there? Well, we've been looking at the, the book of Acts. And, and as we've been looking at how the people who are followers of Jesus are trying to live out now without Jesus what it means to be followers of him as well as to continue to tell others this Jesus who was crucified has been raised and he is the son of God and he is the Lord. How do they do that? How do they keep doing that? Well, certainly it's with the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Uh, we saw in chapter 2 that the disciples waiting in, in that upper room were filled with the Spirit and began speaking and we saw a group of about 120 explode after Peter brings a message to, to over 3,000 and then it continues to grow and develop. And, and with the growth and development and, and the rejoicing and the sharing of their lives, there is also some conflict that comes with the local authorities and, and difficulties. And, 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 and as well, sometimes as great as things are, well, sometimes in the midst of the good things, there's difficult things. Uh, beginning of chapter 5, we saw Ananias and Sapphira, and, and we saw some personal sin in their lives and, and the, the ramifications that, that had on their life. But as we continue to see the church develop, we see that things aren't always perfect. And how do we do that? Well, sometimes the imperfections have to do with how we regard others and the significance we give them. Today we're in chapter 6 and starting in verse 1. And it begins this way. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, well, let's just stop there. Things are still happening, right? More and more people are coming to follow and live their lives for Jesus. They're coming to, as part of the fellowship and the gatherings. And, and again, there's, there's over 5,000 people in a, in a city that may normally be about 100,000 people. This is increasing and developing. And so as the days and the numbers of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained, or could be called grumbled, against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12, that would be the 12 apostles, Peter, James, and John, and the nine others, they gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a, con a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Let us pray. Father, as we come and, and look at your word this morning, may we hear from you. And if there's callings in our lives from this, may, may we begin to take actions on them as well. Uh, thank you for this text, and thank you that 
that's, as you inspired our brother from long ago, Luke, to, to write this, he, he did not give us only the high points, but also the difficult things that needed to be faced. Lord, help us to learn from this as well. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Well, a couple of points in this passage, and, and they're pretty obvious. Obviously, there's an issue that's going on. Uh, that There was the Hebraic Jews and, and the, the Grecian Jews. These were people from Jewish background, all of whom had come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but still had that background. And, and one of the things that was noted, we've seen again and again in, in the book of Acts, is that the, the community was caring for one another. They were selling property that they had. They were selling other kinds of things. And, and they were taking care of each other. This is what they were being noted for. Again and again, we come to this conclusion because, well, the text says they cared for another. They, they shared everything they had. But now in the midst of this thing, which was one of their hallmarks, we have some incongruity. That some is apparently are, are being treated differently than others. And... and uh, Luke uses an interesting word there, uh, complaining, uh, or uh, could be translated as grumbling. It is, it is the same word that when translated from Hebrew to Greek is what we find in, in Exodus when, when the people were grumbling against Moses. And for the person who is attuned to the text and the, and the scriptures, there is this question, all right, that was the people of God, and God had rescued the people from Egypt, from the land of slavery, and was leading them towards the promised land. But in the midst of this, the people of God, who he'd, who had miraculously brought out of Egypt, began grumbling against their leader, Moses, and to some level, God. And, and uh, what happens over the history of, of the Hebrews is this ongoing pattern of of faithfulness and then unfaithfulness. And, and now the, the church, this new kingdom, this new community, there's grumbling within their midst. And, and one of the questions to be raised is, is this happening again? Is this going to happen again? Will the community of faith, how, how are they going to respond to that? And one of the things we see at the outset is that uh, the 12 gather all the disciples to say, this is something that needs to be addressed. We've got this grumbling within the midst. We've got com- concerns about how others are being treated. And, and so they come and they gather and, and they begin to deal with this. Uh, as I mentioned before, I, I love that this story is in here because uh, we're not whitewashing our history uh, sometimes we're tempted within the church and, and when community at large to, to take the bad things that are happening in our life or our, our, our bad historical events and just like, uh, let's focus on the good. But that's not always our life, is it? Sometimes our life has difficulty and tension. I don't know if you've been a part of a church that has had that I have had that several opportunities in my life to, to witness that. One of my, the churches that I, I, I served previously, uh, they got into a dispute about, well, a book. It was a book in their library, and one lady had concerns about this book. She thought that it maybe was, was leading to some, some kind of false perspective on life and faith, and, and so brought that to the, to, the, to the elders to look at. Well, 
This is a, a much-beloved book in evangelicalism, and, and many of them had read it, and, and so their first reaction was, what? This book? <laughs> and so they, they poo-pooed it. It's like, nope, it's not a problem. And they would have thought that that would have been enough <laughs> and would have made everything go away, but... What they failed to recognize, and in talking with some of the leaders afterwards, and uh, this is the realization that they failed to take seriously the concerns of brothers and sisters who, had, who were well-minded in terms of what they were thinking was a problem, and they didn't sit down and talk them through this issue. They disregarded it and dismissed it entirely, and, and uh, the, the end result came uh, tension and dissension filled and, and eventually uh, a portion of that congregation left that church. And, and they realized we needed to sit down. And yeah, we, we've read the book and we know the book and we understand what he's saying there. But with their misunderstanding, we, we needed to sit down with them and care for them and say, this is something that obviously is a concern for you. How can we walk through this? Here's the way why, as we've looked at this and we've searched the scriptures, why we think this is an issue. This is not an issue. Instead of dismissing it entirely. But sometimes we do that. We just, uh, there's a conflict or so. We, we, we don't think it's a big deal or, or it's not important to us and we, well, dismiss it. And, and what the apostles here do is they take this head on and they address the conflict and say, all right, let's work on this. And they take it seriously. But one of the things they do while they're addressing it, they realize, you know, there's a lot of us here. And the leadership has responsibilities. And it's probably, well, it's probably something that the leadership shouldn't be doing. And, and one of the things that they, they stress here is, is to maintain their priorities. That, that in, the church exists for something, right? The church exists to worship the Lord and to help people see who God is, to, to tell people about who Jesus is and to come to know him and, and follow him and, and to be active in prayer. And these are priorities for the church and the leadership to be involved with and, 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 it, and would not be good, as they say, to avoid this. Uh, knowing the word and telling people the word, this is an essential part of what church does. And so to make sure we don't do that, in, in, in times where some churches, all they seem to focus on are social issues, not that those aren't important, but it is always integral for us to remember who we are and why we are. We are here because of Jesus and the message and story he's brought to us. And to bring this constantly and regularly to the Lord. It's something that Jesus modeled, right? Jesus, when he was making decisions in his life, he constantly went to the Lord in prayer and asking for his advice when he chose his disciples. He spent the entire night praying for it. When he was going to the cross, he spent that night in prayer again and again and again, pleading with Lord if that it's possible he might have this taken from him, but not my will, but yours, Lord. Jesus modeled this. One time when Jesus had, after he had been at the Mount of Transfiguration and, and he was with James, Peter, James, and John and they came down and the other disciples were there and they were, well, they were doing stuff they'd been trained to do, trying to, to 
remove a, an evil spirit from a child, and they were having no success at all. And Jesus comes and, like, Jesus, finally, where have you been? And, and uh, we asked your disciples to drive, to drive out the demon in this child, but they can't do it. And, and, uh, and so Jesus does it, and, and you sense a little disappointment in there. One of the texts says, well, you of little faith. Uh, and and, in, and in, in, the, in the gospel of Mark, the question is, Lord, why couldn't we do this? It says, because this needs prayer. Prayer is a vital part of what we do. We are not in this all by ourselves. God exists. We believe that God is this and he's real. And so we talk with him and, and bring our lives to him and our concerns. And we also believe we have an ad- adversary who we need strength to fight, and that strength comes from God and interacting and pleading with him. And, and so it's essential for us as we deal with this conflict, remember our priorities, but then also, well, to deal with it. And so uh, there's many other people who, who can do this job. It's not insignificant it's something that needs to happen. We want to care for one another. This is, again, a hallmark of who we are. But let's assign this and, and develop this out. A couple side issues, I think, that, that come out of this. And one is that there's multicultural mix here in the church, right? There's, within this group, and, and they're still in Jerusalem, almost everyone there comes from a Jewish background, either Greek or Hebrew, but all of them have that same thing. But the, there is a difference. Some came from more Greek lands and, and would have spoken Greek, possibly, and as where, whereas others would have been in Jerusalem and, and the land of Judah and, and would have spoken Aramaic or Hebrew or something like that. And there's, there was just differences, and, and that's a part of the church, and uh, that is to this day, right? The church is a multicultural mix, and, and sometimes, well, well the, the facets of multicultural existence with one another can be uneasy. And uh, as communities, we often, well, we often struggle with those of other ethnic backgrounds. Um, In the history of the Evangelical Free Church, uh, uh, back in the day, it was mostly Swedes and Norwegians. And uh, those who have any connection with those days will remember that there was all kinds of jabs and jokes between Swedes and Norwegians about who was better. And, uh, but there were serious differences from lands that were connected to one another in, in Scandinavia. How much more so in, in lands that are even more diverse. And one of the things for this church was to continue to be united for us to be community together. And if there are things that were happening because of our differences, let's figure this out so that we can maintain our unity despite the differences that we have. We can continue to focus on, again, those priorities of, of who Jesus is, what he has done, and what he's called us to do. And then another side issue is, is this idea of, of, of picking leadership. How do we pick those to minister? Uh, there can be a variety of ways, but one of the, the things that's important here to them is, is that the people they pick for this job, that they 
are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. But they just don't want someone to do this. But they have a vital relationship with the Lord. And, and, and they have some wisdom of how to work through these things. Again, this is not an insignificant ministry, even though it's not the priority of the church. But let's put some good people on this. And so they pick some bright and, and, and intelligent and, and, and good, faithful people to be part of this. Again, because it was important. As we choose those who, who lead and guide and minister, it's important this con- the connection they have with the Lord. But I think on the other hand, uh, and, and again, as illustrated in, in the story, it's, it's the things that we, we find insignificant that we're ready to dismiss. And, and sometimes we'll look at some people as maybe not worthy or, or maybe as insignificant. And... Uh, there's an article in uh, Christianity Today. This is from last May, May of 2018. Uh, the cover title is called Willing and Able and How Christians with Intellectual Disabilities Are Serving Churches, Not Just Being Served by Them. Uh, and as I was reading that, it, it, it serves as a model, I think, on some level for us to consider that all of us as followers of God have something to bring to this. A lot of times we think of those with disabilities as those whom we need to serve. And certainly they have significant issues that sometimes need to be worked and, 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 and discovered and, and figured the best way to do it. But they're fully a part of the body of Christ. God has created them as who they are and given them gifts and talents that they can bring to the entire body. And how can we incorporate all of us who are faithful followers of the Lord Jesus to use the ministry gifts that he has given to us? Sometimes it may feel uncomfortable because some people's gifts are different. But nevertheless, if we remember that when God calls us, no matter who we are, whether we, we are, are tall or short, whatever ethnic background we come from, each of us, as children of God, are gifted by his spirit to bring something to this. And so the question is, on two levels, where are you? What is it that God's doing in your life, and what is he calling you to do? Because you have a part in this. And, and if maybe some of it is growing up a little bit in your faith and maturing a little bit because you, well, you've just been taking it half-heartedly, maybe that's an encouragement to, to continue to, to develop in your faith and, and your walk with the Lord. But uh, the second part of it is to remember that each of us has a part to play in, in God's church, that each of us are gifted. Each of us has passions and something to bring to this table of God's ministry. Well, this incident that Luke brings up, it could have been, it could have been a first church split, couldn't it have been? It could have caused such stress and tension 
uh, that uh, different people went their ways. We're going to see that happen. We're going to see that happen even in the book of Acts. We're going to see that happen in the history of the church. And I think at some level, each time it happens, uh, part of God's heart is hurt that his people are not getting this. And part of the challenge for each of us is how do we prevent that from happening? How do we work today, despite what has happened historically, how do we work towards unity within the community of faith? How can we lift others up and build them up? And in all of this, maintaining our priorities on what God has called us to, we are here to minister to others with this story of Jesus, a story that we have received ourselves, and we bring it to others. We bring them the word, but we also pray. One of the things for this, for, with our elders, we, uh, we, we've taken this idea of the, the priority of the ministry of the word and, the, and prayer uh, we talk about what God is doing in our lives and our meetings, but we also we also pray for this congregation. Uh, for those of you who are, are are members and regular attenders here, we have a list and we we pray through those regularly to lift you up because this matters. Because we know that you're going through things as we are, and that you go through struggles as well as joys. But all of this. We recognize our Father in heaven knows us and wants us to bring ourselves to him. This is our call. And it's your call. What is God calling you to do? Who is he calling you to pray for and to minister to with your gifts? Let's stand for closing prayer. Uh, Father, this morning, we, uh, uh, it's, it's been a blessing to be able to, to lift you up and, and give you the praise you so richly deserve and, and to be ministered to with uh, just great solid songs of who we are as your church and the promises that you've given us, the hope that we have in you. Uh, and Lord, as we consider those as well as this, this interesting little incident within your church, this potential conflict that's right out there, Lord, help us to be people who can look squarely at the things that are in front of us that we need to deal with and to deal with them, to do so with care and honor and, 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 and lifting others up, but also to recognize in, in all this that uh, we maintain what you've called us to, to be your church gathered around your word and your spirits and the son who sacrificed for us. May we be faithful this day in the coming days to have ears to hear and eyes to see what you're doing around us and to engage with you, no matter what our skills or abilities, but empowered by your spirits and the wisdom that you promise when we ask. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. God bless you this day.
Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.